Last Sunday, I preached a sermon on why Jesus came to the earth that He created. We we sang that song this morning. And the reason He came was to be the perfect sacrifice for sin. That's why He came. To become the Lamb of God slain for sin. And so today, I want us to consider the how. How did He come? And is there significance? How much does the Old Testament talk about and set the stage for the coming of Christ? And even as we get ready to to preach, let's let me pray one more time. Heavenly Father, just help us to learn from Your Word that we'll be able to see Jesus from Genesis to Revelation, that He is throughout Your Word. Uh, He came for a purpose. We talked about that last week, but we know the purpose was to do Your will, Father, and to provide a way through the cross that Christ might bring many sons and daughters to You. So, Father, help us to listen and to hear this day and it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. The, the first, I believe I can say the first mention of someone who is going to come came very early after sin entered the world. Very early. Uh, Genesis 3.15. This is after the temptation. This is after Adam and Eve had fallen to sin and it didn't take long, did it? It didn't take long. And and this is God, and He is talking to the serpent. It says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Who's this talking of? It's talking of, I believe, talking of the coming Christ. Yes, the, the, the serpent will bruise the heel, Because Christ did die on the cross. He went through much suffering and pain while on this earth. But Christ triumphed to crush the head. To, to, as it it said here, uh, to bruise your head. But we know that also means to crush. And uh, let me read. I've got a couple excerpts from Matthew Henry today that I want to read. Just let me read. Quote, The Messiah, the eminent seed of the woman, should bruise the head of the old serpent, the devil, that is, destroy him and all his principalities and powers, break and confound all his schemes, and ruin all his works, crush his whole empire, strip him of his authority, and particularly of his power over death his tyranny over the bodies and souls of men, all which was done by Christ when He became incarnate and suffered and died. I I like Matthew Henry. I I don't know if you all have one of those. Uh, I've I've had one for years and years, and and I still enjoy going and reading uh, some of his commentary and what he has to say. I think I I can recommend him. And... uh, be a Berean. Anytime I say I can recommend somebody, still be a Berean. And, and uh, you search out scriptures and, and you pray and ask the Lord for understanding. 
Let's look at Hebrews 2, verses 14 through 16. Hebrews 2, 14 through 16. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, now this, this is me, this is you, okay? He, Christ, himself likewise shared in the same What's it talking about? Same what? Flesh and blood. The Word became flesh. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, He Himself likewise shared in the same. Why? Why? Why would He do such a thing? That through death He might destroy Him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were were all their lifetime subject to bondage, for indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Why did he come? Well, I think that states it pretty good right there, doesn't it? And a part of it, to destroy him who had the power of death. And Christ did that in his resurrection power. Uh, here we're talking of seed. You know, Brother Kenny talked of seed and, and the word uh, seed can be talking also of Christ, can be talking about the lineage and the children to come. Uh, the, the, the seed of Abraham, I, I believe in part, at least in part, talking of the lineage from which Christ would come. And uh, someone, uh, I didn't go and figure this out, someone uh, I read, perhaps this is right, that it was some 1,800 years before Christ's birth, when God told Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, in, in Genesis 12. Some 1,800 years from the time in, in Genesis 12. And let's read Genesis 12, first three verses. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, let me qualify. All, all the families of the earth. In one way you could say, the rain falls on the good and the bad. They're good and evil. You could say that. And in that sense, everyone on the face of this planet is blessed by our Creator. Just because He doesn't incinerate us on the spot. In, in that way, I could say we are all blessed. But, but I believe this, this has a particular. This has a particular. In particular, all who obey the voice of God. That is those who will truly be blessed. And, and I get that from Genesis 22, verse 18. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Why? Why will they be blessed? Because you have obeyed my voice. So there's the particular. To those who will be blessed, those who will obey the voice of God. Let, let me read another one uh, from John Gill this time. I, I know some of you read John Gill. Uh, good stuff there too. Uh, John Gill put it this way. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed, that is, in his seed, as in Genesis 22.18, which we just read, and which is interpreted of Christ in Acts 3, verse 25. Now I want us to go to Acts 
3, and we're going to read uh, 22 through 26 to get a little bit more of a picture of it. For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow as many as have spoken have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying, saying to Abraham and your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed to you first. God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. And there it comes back again. Why did Christ come? To turn us from our iniquity. And now, now let, let me go back to John Gill. Uh, let me back up just a little bit. That is, in his seed, as in Genesis twenty two eighteen, and which is interpreted of Christ, Acts three twenty five, meaning not every individual of all the families or nations of the earth, but that as many as believe in Christ of all nations are blessed in him, and that whoever of them are blessed, they are blessed and only blessed in Him. I like that. The, the only reason we're blessed is through Christ. It's, it's Him. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above. And that whoever of them are blessed, they are blessed and only blessed in Him. And that they are blessed for His sake. Again, it comes back to that sermon a few weeks ago. We exist for Him that we might be to the praise of His glory, that we might bring glory to Him. And, and they are blessed for His sake with all spiritual blessings, such as redemption, justification, remission of sins, sanctification, adoption, and eternal life. Jesus fulfilled this promise as shown in Matthew 1.1. I think maybe I've got that there. Uh, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Uh, Jesus fulfilled this promise. Matthew then detailed the genealogy of Christ from Abraham, formerly Abram, to Joseph, the husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Jesus was a descendant of Abraham and came to earth as the promised Messiah. He showed his glory through miracles, died as an innocent sacrifice for sin, and rose to life conquering death. All people on earth are blessed through him who came from Abraham's line and was prophesied. It's through what the Lord laid out from the very beginning. So, end quote. The seed of Abraham. Paul talked about in Galatians 3.16. Galatians 3.16 now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. And he does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. Christ. Jesus Christ. The Son of David. Well, from that Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. Let's, let's read from Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6. Jeremiah 23, 
5 and 6. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. And again, is there any doubt who this is talking about? This is Christ. Talking of Christ, this branch of righteousness, this Messiah, this Christ would be born of a woman, but not of a man. Correct? Born of a woman, but not of man. It will be a virgin virgin birth. And in Isaiah 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. See, we know the fulfillment of this prophecy you know, the, the angel Gabriel had come and appeared to Mary. And this was some, again, 600 years past what Isaiah would say and what Jeremiah would say, what they had prophesied from the Lord. And so let's go to Luke, the first chapter, and let's read Luke, the first chapter, 26 through 37. This is the fulfillment of what had been prophesied. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you, blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Talking of an everlasting kingdom, correct? There will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. The, the, the prophecies, I don't know how many prophecies there are that they're talking of the incarnation. There, there are several. But prophecies in the Old Testament that talk of Christ, uh, from, from what I kind of looked and, and found and other people were saying, well over 300. And I've got a list uh, that, that's got them all on it, uh, at least of those. Over 300. <laughs> and I, I know you've heard probably this analogy before. I don't know, we're, we're going to look at maybe six. And, and it is said a mathematician 
put this together, that over that those hundreds of years, for there to be one person that could satisfy the fulfillment of all those prophecies, that all this could come together, the odds of it were, I think they said you take the state of Texas, you take silver dollars, you cover the whole state of Texas a foot deep. I don't know if that's correct, but something like that. You take one of those silver dollars and put a red mark on it and put it out there somewhere in the state of Texas. Then you get a blind man and you send him out there to pick up that one coin. You have to say this is all planned by God. This, this is a miracle of God. This could only happen through God and no other way. And it is by faith that we believe. What many of the lost will think is so foolish. How could that bunch of garbage? That can't be. You expect me to believe that? Well, I do. I do expect them to believe, and not that they will, but that the Lord would have mercy upon them. Let's go. Let's read in Matthew, the first chapter, uh, verse 18 through 23. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And you see, they made the distinction in Scripture right there. This is not Joseph's baby, because they hadn't had any kind of relationship yet. Before they came together. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, because let me pause there for a minute, because what could he have done? He, he could have had her stoned. He could have brought her to the middle of town and said, hey, this this is my betrothed and she is already with child. And he could have had her stoned, but he didn't. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's why he came. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. The Word made flesh. As was prophesied, the, the Virgin Mary conceived from the Holy Spirit and gave birth to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Miracle upon miracle upon miracle. And what of Bethlehem? Brother Brian talked about this last week. I was going to call you and just talk about that. And and uh, uh, why? Why, why a census at this time? Why? Because this child had to be born in Bethlehem. And so God laid upon the heart of the, of the king. We must have a census. Here, let, let, let's read uh, from Micah. Why Bethlehem? Because of prophecy. Micah, the fifth chapter, verses 2 through 4. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, 
Yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel. Again, who's this talking about? This is talking about the Messiah. This is talking about Christ. Whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel. (laughs) Now think about all of that. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. They shall abide. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me. (laughs) See, before... Jesus was born, Caesar Augustus issued this decree demanding a census, and we know that that was a, in response to a move of God. This wasn't just a coincidence. <laughs> God leaves nothing to chance, does He? This required every citizen to register in the town of their family's origin. So let's, let's go to Luke, the second chapter, and verses 1 through 5. And I pray as we look at the incarnation and Christ coming to earth that that if you've never really stopped to consider the miracle, the miracle, the miracle after miracle and the prophecies fulfilled, I hope you will work it out and and get into Scripture and look at these things. Uh, Luke 2, chapter 1 through 5, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place when Quinarius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So here is Joseph from the lineage of David. Go to Matthew 1 and you can work that through. And we know that this was fulfilling the prophecy of Micah uh, because he was had been born in Bethlehem. And I'm always amazed even at this. And I know I've asked this throughout the year. What does the name Bethlehem mean? You remember? It means, translated, house of bread. Now, well, why do you find that interesting, Pastor? Why would you think that is interesting? Well, look at John 6, verse 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So why do I think it interesting? I just find it very interesting that the bread of life is born in the city named House of Bread. Let, let, let's, let's read a little bit more uh, from Luke's Gospel. Let, let's read verse in chapter 2. Uh, let's read verse 6 through 20. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her, for Mary to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. Now 
There were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. (laughs) Wouldn't you like to get an image of what that was like? Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on our, and on earth peace, good will toward men. Do you think this is an important event? <laughs> there could be no cross without first a birth. This was a most important event. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, good will toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. (laughs) They couldn't contain the news, could they? They told others. And all those who heard it marveled at these those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Now, let's look at another prophecy fulfilled. That the Messiah would be called out of Egypt. Now, wait a minute. Uh, a Nazarene. Uh, to Bethlehem, why? Why now? Now, why is Egypt involved here? Because it was prophesied. Let, let's look at uh, uh, Hosea eleven one. Hosea eleven one. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Now, we know that that King Herod ruled Palestine when when Jesus was born, and he felt threatened when these. Uh, Kings came from another country and came asking, where is this one born king of the Jews? And, and it's, uh, Herod was, had established himself as king of the Jews. He had set him up politically. And this angered him that there is another trying to usurp his authority and an angel of the of the Lord, because Herod then planned to kill this child. An angel of the Lord uh, warned Joseph in a dream to take Mary and Jesus and escape to where? Egypt. Where they lived for a time. Let, let's read it. Uh, Matthew 2, verse 15 verses. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold... Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. Why? Because he was a madman. If if the king's upset, bad things are going to happen. That's why the whole country was troubled. Because the, 
They had seen what he had done in the past. Different things he had done. Verse 4, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. See, he, he asked those who knew the answer to this, didn't he? Because they knew they knew what, what we know as the Old Testament. They knew what Scripture had had prophesied, uh, and and here they even read it. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. They they knew the prophecy. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, because it is said that they were had traveled a long time. It took months, perhaps, for them to arrive. When did you first see the star? That must have been when the babe was born. So the baby would be this old now. So he's determined how old this child is. Why? Why would he want to know that? And he sent them, and Herod sent the wise men to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Lies. No, he didn't want to come to worship. He wanted to come what? Destroy, to kill. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over the over where the young child was. When they, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned, the, the wise men, divinely warmed in a dream, they that, that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. See, the Lord even spoke to them, don't, don't go back and tell Herod. Leave and go another way. And why gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Well, here's what I believe. They're, they're getting ready to go on a journey, aren't they? They're getting ready to go on a journey to Egypt. They're going to need finances. They're going to have to go. They're going to have to stay. And they have to have a means to be able to go and stay. And I believe this provided that means. Gold. Frankincense, myrrh, everything that they would need to go on a long journey and to stay ever how long that was needed. So I, I see this as God providing, God providing for them through these wise men. Now, when they had departed, the wise men had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Now the angel of the Lord's talking to Joseph, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, when Joseph arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt with the gold, with the frankincense, with the myrrh. And was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Now, I want to go back and read Matthew Henry. 
I want to read Matthew Henry concerning Hosea 11.1. 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. This is Matthew Henry, quote. He delivered them out of the house of bondage. I called my son out of Egypt, a son, a beloved son. When God demanded Israel's discharge from Pharaoh, he called them his son, his firstborn. Note, those whom God loves, he calls out of the bondage of sin and Satan into the glorious liberty of his children. These words are said to have been fulfilled in Christ when, upon the death of Herod, he and his parents were called out of Egypt. It's Matthew 2.15. So that the words have a double aspect, a double meaning, speaking historically of the calling of Israel out of Egypt and prophetically of the bringing of Christ thence. Because we talk often of the, the types and shadows that are in the Old Testament having a meaning of which will be revealed later. And that's what this is. That's what this is, a double meaning, speaking historically of the calling of Egypt out of, or the, of Israel out of Egypt and prophetically of the bringing of Christ thence, and the former was a type of the latter, and a pledge and earnest of the many and great favors God had in reserve for that people, especially the sending of his son into the world. The calling of Christ out of Egypt was a figure of the calling of all that are his through him, out of spiritual slavery. That's good, isn't it? That's good. That gives you the picture. Why? Why does that have any meaning? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. The the prophecies have meaning for us yet today. Uh, Another prophecy that was fulfilled was the reaction of Herod when the wise men left without telling him where the Christ child was. Was this spoken of before? Jeremiah 31, verse 15. Thus says the Lord, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more. That's a sad statement right there. Weeping for them because they had been slaughtered. How did that take place? What did Herod do? Let's read in Matthew 2, verses 16 through 20. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been deceived, remember the the wise men left and didn't go and tell him exactly where Christ was. Then Herod, when he had saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, a voice was heard in Ramah. (laughs) Can you imagine? Lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. When Herod was dead, we, we, we don't know the time frame here. Or at least uh, maybe someone has tried to put some pieces together. How long was it from this until Herod died? I'm not sure. 
But when we do know this for sure, but when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child, so ever what would be considered a young child, the age, take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. So here, the, the miraculous fulfilling of prophecy concerning the incarnation of Christ's coming. The Messiah prophesied from the book of Genesis and throughout the Old Testament in God's perfect timing. God sent forth His Son. Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of the time had come. When is that? What is that? That's God's timing. When God said, now, now, now's the time. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Why? Why? To redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And again, that's why He came. That's why He came. The fullness of the time had come when the completion of the period of preparation in God's sovereign timetable of redemption had come. So I thought that was a good statement. The fullness of time had come when the completion of the period of preparation in God's sovereign timetable of redemption had come. Because this is God, this is His timing. See, this is when the law had fully accomplished its purpose of showing man his utter sinfulness and inability to live up to God's perfect standard of righteousness. God in His sovereign timing ushered in a new era of redemption. <laughs> Aren't you thankful? When God sent forth His Son, He provided the righteousness that man could not provide Himself. Jesus was a man. Born of a woman, like all other men, but yet fully God. Not born of man, but born of God. And He had to be fully God in order that His sacrifice would have the infinite worth necessary to atone for the sin of mankind. <laughs> That's a good statement there too. No one else could have died and, and, and paid the penalty for our sins. No amount of lambs, sheep, goats, bulls, no amount of blood spilled could cover the debt that we owed. Jesus had to be fully God in order for His sacrifice to have the infinite worth necessary to atone for the sin of mankind. Why did He come? To redeem those under the law, those who could not live the perfect life to fulfill the law. And Paul explained it in, in Romans 8, verses 3 and 4. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. What's that talking about? To those who are born again. That's what it's talking about. 
Those who are born from above. See, unlike all others who had been on, born under the law, Jesus fulfilled the law. Living in perfect obedience, He satisfied the righteous requirements of the law. And by His perfect sacrifice upon the cross, giving His life, shedding His blood as a once and forever perfect sacrifice for sin, He provided redemption, perfect redemption, everlasting redemption for all who come to Him in faith, believing. He was born to die. That's why, very simply put, that's why He was born to die. Born to give His life a ransom, a payment for sin. And Mark 10, verse 45. Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. He came to shine light into darkness. Now Luke 2, verse 32 said this, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Say, <laughs> I'm thankful for that, aren't you? A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. What a statement, what a glorious truth. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles, to those who were once far off, those who were outside the covenants of promise. Oh, you know, I'm getting ready to read from Ephesians 2, don't you? Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 13. This is why I came. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who were who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But... Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, by the sacrifice of Christ upon the cross. That's why He came. That's why He came. We've been brought near by the blood of the cross. If you drop down to verse 19 in Ephesians 2, now, therefore, you are no longer strangers. Praise the Lord. For those who believe, Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Joint heirs with Christ Himself. Jesus came to bring light to the world, to bring light to the Gentiles. John 8, verse 12. John 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me, shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And if you go a little bit further in the book of John, to chapter 12, verse 46, John 12, 46, Jesus said, I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. You get the depths of that statement. Jesus came as a light to the world. That whoever believes in Him should not abide in darkness. So my prayer is always that if you are without Christ, I pray that God would reveal His truth to you. 
that He would shine light upon you, that you may see your sin, that you may see His glory, His righteousness, and that you would turn from your sin and turn to Christ, the Redeemer of your soul, repenting and turning and following Him. Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And I know I say it often, you'll be saved from the wrath of God that will one day come upon all unbelievers. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Oh, you mean there's confession? Yeah, you confess your sins. Yes, you confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Yes, there's confession to be made. For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. (laughs) You see, that, that wall has been torn down, hasn't it? For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Child of God, aren't you thankful that Christ came? 2 Corinthians 9.15 says this. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. The gift of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give You thanks for Your Word. Father, I know we've just barely skimmed the surface of of prophecy that talks of Christ. But but I pray that you would take that what we have heard today and what we have learned, that that it would spark or kindle a fire in us to want to read all the more from the Old Testament, to learn more of, of everything that you put in motion and put in place prophecies, the miracles that had to happen for Christ to be born and and that there could be no doubt that Jesus is that one, the Messiah, the true Son of God. So I pray that, that you would speak to our hearts, draw us close, and Lord, should there be someone who is yet without Christ that, that might listen to this sermon, that Lord, you would have mercy that you would shine light into a darkened heart, that you would raise the dead to spiritual life. Reveal yourself, reveal Christ. Open their eyes that they may see you, open their eyes that they may see their sin and see their need for a Savior. So Father, perform a miracle that only you can do, a miracle of salvation. Father, help us to shine the light of Christ, those of us who are born again. Help us to always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. Help us to be able to explain everything about Christ from from Genesis 3 to the end of Revelation. Lord, help us to be able to point to Your Word that You might use the the truth of Your Word and, and by the power of Your Spirit and the truth of Your Word that You might bring many sons and daughters to Yourself through Christ. So Father, help us, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.